Hey, if you have your Bible with you and want to turn to um, Philippians chapter 4, or if you have your app, whatever, we'll be coming back there in just a second, um, or in a minute or so. Um, so, many of you know that in our lives, you know, we've got uh, two grandkids here in the last few months, and so I've been uh, learning, educating myself, uh, re-educating myself on things like, you know, baby carriers, strollers, um, you know, car seats, those kind of things. So here's, here's what today's parents get to work with when it comes to that. So I have a picture. So this, I don't know if you know, this is like genius stuff right here because this is, it's a stroller and a carrier, but I don't know if you can tell this, but the carrier actually is also the car seat. So the, the base that's there actually is what clips into the car, and the, the carrier itself can clip out, and, and then actually the, the stroller there, what's on the top, that actually can come off, and the, the carrier can actually go in it. So in one, basically within this setup, well, what's the genius of this? Those of you who have known or aren't familiar with this, the genius of this you don't have to, which is rule number one with baby care, right? Never disturb a content, happy child. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so the baby falls asleep when you're in the car, in the carrier. Well, you just clip the carrier into the car seat container, and you get to your destination and pull out the stroller and clip it in, and baby's still sleeping, and away you go. This wasn't how it was back when we were raising kids. Some of you might look, this might look familiar. Okay? So on the left is, uh, and I, I apologize if you're a little, if you really can't see them well, but on the left is um, a baby carrier. You know, so we're going to go somewhere. We're going out. So the baby goes in the baby carrier and you carry it to the car, which is what you have in the second is the car seat. So that's strapped in, but now I've got to take the baby out of the car carrier, put him or her into the car seat. Strap them in, and away you go. Then when you get to your destination, you've got to pull the baby out again and put it into the stroller, and away you go. So very, very inconvenient because you've got to now move the baby three, you know, two different times or get it three different times situated uh, in order to be what you want to do. And again, just very inconvenient, and it just, it just I mean, there's so many times where you know, we're driving somewhere and the, you know, the baby had fallen asleep, and you're trying to be so careful, get the safety straps, the harnesses off, and as you're lifting them out, they wake up. And it's nowhere near long enough, and they're cranky and crabby, but they haven't enough sleep, they won't go back to sleep, and it's just a nightmare. And so I am really, really jealous and envious of parents today. Um, you know, what, what's interesting, um, you know... I, Knowing I was going to be showing this, I actually did a little more research. Do you know when the first car seat was, was uh, I don't want to say invented, but sold in the commercially? 1933. Um, so, but it's interesting. You look at it. it. It was all about restraint and not safety. Okay, it was about how to keep the kid from crawling all over the car is, is what it was. Um, and it was, so it's interesting just to see the progression of development. The first baby car seats that were, had safety in mind weren't, weren't on the market until around the 60s. That's when they started saying, all right, we need to think about the safety of the baby in here. This three-in-one car seat combo that I just showed you that they all have today actually didn't come out until the early 2000s. So it's only been the last 15, 20 years that they've had this technology, which really begs the question, what took them so long? 
I mean, there are so many inconvenience and things that just, if, if we just had this uh, you know, earlier, at least back when we were raising kids, I would have been so much happier. And, and, you know, but what took them so long? Because it's really not rocket science. It really just, I mean, it's such a logical thing. It's one of these things where like, Guh, of course, why wouldn't we do it this way? It's not complicated. You know, it wasn't like they needed some special technology to make this happen. And the materials that they have today to make these was available back then, you know, 40, 50 years ago. So it wasn't as if, you know, they had to wait for something to be invented. <clears throat> you know, and the need was you know, for such a combination type of thing was so obvious, especially to those of us parents who inevitably woke up the child as we were transferring them from one thing to the other. Just why didn't they think of this sooner? Why? If only the carriers of today were available to us back when we were raising our kids, life would have been so much easier. If only. You know, it's actually a similar feeling I have when I think about our current sermon series on anxiety. You know, it's not rocket science we've been talking about in this series. It's not some kind of secret, mystical, Eastern religion. It's that kind of uh, thing. It, it's been in plain sight. In fact, the passage we've been looking at the last few weeks is one I think for many of us we've read dozens of times. And I wonder sometimes, how much emotional energy have I wasted over the years because I didn't really think of it in these terms? Think of it this way. And how many hours of sleep have I lost worrying about something I can't control? Well, as a refresher, the, the passage in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And so I'm wondering if we could just read this the entirety, all of, uh, four, five, six, seven, all five verses. We can read these all together out loud, can we? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and, and for the passage that we've been looking at here for the last few weeks. And as we wrap up this series today, Lord, I just ask that you would to solidify some of these truths and some of these things in our own hearts and minds, not just for today, but uh, for days ahead. For we know that uh, life is always changing and uh, seasons change and we go from really good seasons to really challenging seasons and challenging seasons to really good seasons. And Father, we know that the truth of your word never changes. And so Lord, help that to be embedded into our hearts and minds today, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I came across an article um, earlier this week, and it identified the 10 most common signs that you may be experiencing anxiety. <clears throat> so see if any of these apply to you. One is that you feel, you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out often. You're having a hard time sleeping or getting enough rest. You're feeling irritable or you're easily agitated. 
you found changes in your appetite, either eating more or less than usual. You have difficulty concentrating or focusing on tasks. You feel jumpy or on edge quite often. You have frequent headaches, muscle tension or pain, and gastrointestinal problems. You have excessive worrying or ruminating on negative thoughts. Spend way too much time thinking about negative things. You have emotional outbursts, such as crying or feeling angry. Or you tend to avoid social situations or activities that were once enjoyed. Any of these describe you? Having a hard time limiting it to less than five <laughs> of things we were talking about? You know, we were talking in week one that anxiety disorders are the number one mental health issue in the U.S. today. By any standard of measurement, the U.S. is the most anxious country in the world. <clears throat> and we looked at a few reasons why that is. Some of it's technology-driven. There is just too much information to process. Our media is all fear-based, which creates problems. Um, literally, some scientists said our brains were not designed to handle this much change this fast and have to be able to process it. And on top of that, as a culture, we're becoming less and less connected from one another. The fact that you have 1,500 Facebook friends does not mean that you have strong relationships. Um, but, and relationally, we're becoming, more, we're becoming less connected. And that's on top of all the actual problems and challenges you have in life, uh, whether it's health or finances or relationships. And, and we learned that if you're alive and breathing today, anxiety and stress is unavoidable. It's going to happen. You're going to experience it. But we've also learned in this series that while the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, the prison of anxiety is optional, and we don't have to live in that prison. <clears throat> so hear me when I say this. It's not God's will that you live in a constant state of anxiety. That's not his plans for you. It's not his purposes for you. And that's why verse 7 in the, pas in the passage we just read is, it should get all of our attention. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Transcends all understanding. In these verses, Paul has shown us a way out of anxiety and stress. And we've identified an acronym to help us understand that. And the acronym is CALM, C-A-L-M. <clears throat> C is celebrate God's goodness. And we, again, this is part, again, from week one, we learned that uh, when Paul tells us to rejoice in all things, um, he's not telling us to conjure up some fake emotion. You know, he's not saying be happy for your trouble. You know, yay, I have cancer. You know, that's not what he's trying to say. That's not what he's trying to convince us. He's, he wants us to rejoice because God is bigger than any problem you might be facing. Paul's calling us not to a feeling, but to a decision and a deeply held conviction and confidence that God exists, that he's good, and that he is in control. So celebrate, see, celebrate God's goodness. And then the A in that acronym was for ask. And in week two, we learned that we're supposed to ask for God's help. Paul lays that out very clearly um, in the passage there. Um, and the idea there is invite the creator of the universe to be into your life, into your situation. And we also talk about the fact that we need to be specific, not just general, pro not just general prayers. You know, Lord, help me. 
specific. What is it you're wanting him to help you with? Time and again, God promises to be with us in the midst of adversity. So ask was uh, week two. L was leave your concerns with him. And last week, we talked about this idea that sometimes uh, we, we give something to God, and the next day we take it right back, and we take possession of it again. And so avoid that temptation to take your problems back. And part of the way we do that is to focus on God, not the problem. Remember all the good that God has done in your life, all the blessings, all the benefits, all the things that you can be thankful for in your life. And what you'll discover is that instead of anxiety, a life or your heart full of anxiety, you will be filled with a heart of gratitude. Anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. Celebrate, ask, and leave. So we're at Cal. Uh, in the time remaining here, we want to talk about the letter M. Meditate on good things. <clears throat> Have you ever found yourself, you know, just kind of daydreaming, thinking, and uh, you're thinking about something, and then you, you, in your mind, you become aware of your thoughts. And you think, right, how did I get here to this thought? And you do this, you start to trace it back. And, and sometimes it's really fun where you can actually, like, I can go back like a while sometimes, like, wow. And you realize, wow, my brain really took me on this really adventurous trip. You know, it was all over the place. And, and you, you find that out. And, um, but it's, sometimes our brains can really take us on some crazy journeys. Um, just as we're just let it go and let it wander. So within the context of this topic, when we talk about meditate, we're not talking about some form of, you know, yoga or some kind of Eastern mysticism type of thing. We're meditate, we're simply saying that those things we think about, the things we think about, meditate. And that's my first thought about Paul's encouragement to meditate is to think about what you think about. You can choose what you think about. I love the way uh, Max Lucado described it as a pastor and author. He says, you can be the air traffic controller of your mental airport. You occupy the control tower and can direct the mental traffic of your world. I love that. He then goes on to say, thoughts circle above, coming and going. If one of them lands... It's because you have given it permission. You can choose what you think about. And that's why the writer of Proverbs 4, 23 said, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. <clears throat> so, do you want to be happy tomorrow? Then sow seeds of happiness today. Remember God's work in your life. Think about those things. Pray. Sing songs of worship. Spend time with positive people. Or do you want to be miserable tomorrow? If you do, then wallow in the mental pit of self-pity and anxiety. Just camp out there and hang out. Assume the worst. Beat yourself up. Complain. You control what you think about. So with that in mind, the second thought here is dwell on truth, not what could be or could happen. Now, in my own notes here, I actually prefer the word facts as opposed to truth. Not I'm trying to, I'm not, just conveys a different thought. So next to the word truth, you might want to, if you're keeping notes, you just write the word facts. Dwell on facts, 
not what could be or could happen. So here's the way it works. You get a call from the doctor's office. And, uh, you know, the person on the phone, she says, uh, you know, the doctor's reviewed your test results and would like you to come in for a consultation next week. Ever got more of those calls? Yeah, they're not good. Um, and invariably, the call comes at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. You know, so now you've got not, so not only can you not go in tomorrow, you've got to wait longer for that to happen, two extra days of waiting. You get one of those phone calls or some other news. Maybe it's another kind of phone call or maybe it's something else, but you get that information and you now have a choice. Am I going to be anxious or am I going to trust? Now, if you're going to be anxious, that anxiety, it leads you to now Google all your symptoms, right? And every one of them are terminal. I mean, they are. That's just the way it works. You know, and you find yourself saying, you know, like, I knew it. I knew I'd get cancer someday. All those headaches, probably a brain tumor. You know, I wonder how much time I have left. You know, your mind's still going on and on. How will this affect my kids? Who's going to pay the bills? Will my spouse remarry? You know, I'm too young to die. All these things. Now, if you aren't already sick, by the time you get to the doctor's office, you will be because of what your brain has just run through. Trust, on the other hand, says this. All I know for certain is the doctor wants to see me. I know nothing about my condition, so I'm not going to let my thoughts and my emotions run away from me. I do know that God loves me, he wants only the best for me, and has promised to be with me. I choose to pray and trust him. When you pray a prayer like that, or that becomes your decision, you cling to verses like Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous, where God says, he's talking here to, to Joshua, but applies to us as well. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them or because of it or because of the, the call or the information. Do not be terrified because of it. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So anxiety or trust? Which one do you want? You do have a choice. You can choose. Now, I think we're able to stay on the path of trust and not wander off it back into anxiety if we're able to capture every errant anxiety-filled thought. <clears throat> Ever hear the phrase, when life gives you lemons? You have heard it, make lemonade. You know, the idea there behind it is to make the best of a bad situation, right? The truth is, life will give you lemons but you don't have to suck on them. Anxiety happens when you suck on lemons. You know, one of Satan's greatest, and I think one of the most effective tactics is to mess with our minds. It gets us to doubt what is true, and it gets us to believe what's untrue. He fills the sky of our minds with airplanes that carry nothing but fear and anxiety, and he works nonstop trying to convince us to let them land and unload their rotten cargo in our minds. 
That's why in another letter, Paul writes, and he says, capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Capture every thought. Guard your thoughts and trust your heavenly Father. Don't let those planes filled with anxiety and worry land in your thoughts. Instead, feed your mind positive. Feed your mind what is positive. To meditate on something means to think about it over and over. You let it simmer like a good chili. (laughs) Reflect on it until it becomes part of who you are. Specifically, Paul gives us a list of eight things to think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. What you think about will determine whether you are filled with faith that energizes or fear that makes you anxious. So, turn off the Facebook videos. Turn off the YouTube political videos. They're never positive. They're always fear-based, always confrontational. Spend more time reading the Bible than performing Google searches. Fill your mind with things that will build faith and give you hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Paul's words here um, are just such a, a great encouragement and really, when you think about this acronym of CALM, it's not rocket science. It's, it's nothing that's secretive, but this idea of just recognizing who it is we serve and your strength and your power. And Father, that we have not only the, the opportunity, but Lord, you've, you've called us and you've asked us and told us to bring our requests to you. Lord, you want us to bring things to you, to talk and to interact with you. You want us to leave those problems with you, not to take them back, but to trust you. And Father, part of that then is just us to continually reminding ourselves of your goodness, of your grace, of your mercy. So Lord, my prayer is here this morning, if there's anyone who's struggling, that maybe there is something in their life that they continue to just have a hard time letting go, letting go and letting you take it. Um, There's this temptation every morning they wake up to take it back. Before they go to bed, uh, it's, it's there. So, Father, I pray here and right now, in this moment, in the name of Jesus, that you would break that bondage. Lord, that you would free them of that fear, of that anxiety. In a very supernatural way, in the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, be free of that fear. Fear and anxiety, you have no place in the hearts and minds of God's people. So, Lord, uh, we trust you. We trust you. And, Lord, we just want to uh, live lives that honor you and acknowledge you in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We thought we'd end uh, this morning by actually teaching you a new song. And um, part of it, it, it comes from a passage in Psalm 81. So let me read you the psalm. Um, just so you have the broader context. But see if this wouldn't 
be appropriate for us this morning. If my, in Psalm 81, verses 13 to 16, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him and their punishment would last forever. But you, but you would be fed with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. 